This is my favorite episode of the year. Oh, it's our summer reading episode. Yes. So many good things out there to read. Um, so much. You could you could keep yourself busy all summer long with all the different good books that are out there right now. Probably should just go ahead and introduce my co-host for today, Tina oh. Ferguson from Face in a Book Bookstore in El Dorado Hills, California. It is so much fun. I, I joke that this is my favorite episode, but it really, it really isn't a joke. It truly is. And you and I have been getting together and doing television stories and podcasts now for Gosh, it has to be at least seven, eight years we've done this yes, episode. Yes, unbelievable, isn't it? I, I can't re- believe that our store is 10 years old this year. And um, I remember opening it thinking, yeah, I'll give it three years. We'll see what happens. And here we are. And Yeah, uh, a pandemic uh, happened is what happened. I know. <laughs> and we are still here. We are still standing. And and I love that, you know, the pandemic was, you know, an awful thing to live through, but it brought people back to the world of books and to the world of their community. Um, so it's been a real blessing in disguise for us. So before we get going, you have some amazing picks for us today. Um, are there any major trends going on reading wise you're seeing? Like, what are people coming in and saying, oh, here's what I need. I'm heading to the beach. Yes. Uh, people are really uh, looking at a couple different things. Um, uh, book clubs that are being sponsored by, you know, television shows or celebrities. So like the Reese Witherspoon book club, the Good Morning America book club. So they're looking for those titles because they're seeing it in what okay. they're looking at. And then they're also looking at um, love stories and romance, anything that's an escape, um, especially rom-com, because you can laugh and cry at the same time. Why not? I need an escape. That's that's what this episode's going to be. All right. Tina Ferguson is here. Get ready. We're going to do our summer reading beach picks favorite show of the year. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick and I've been anchoring morning news for more than 20 years. I thought I had seen and covered it all. Then came coronavirus, a pandemic, anchoring in my living room, homeschooling my kids, and all the things that come with COVID, including a vaccine. It was supposed to get us all back on track and living our best Instagrammable lives. Best lives-ish. The reality is we're still untangling what life looks like in a world post-pandemic. A lot of people describe a sense of never-ending overwhelm and anxiety. Is that just what life is like now? Or are there ways we can get back to living in the now? And this season of the Dying Desk podcast is asking how we can hit the restart and start living again. Tina, I am ready to talk books. Yay, this is what I lived to talk about. And, you know, and I'm so thankful that you're one of those that actually like it likes it when I talk about books and we can talk about it until it's like dark. So thank you for inviting me to share books with you because it is my favorite thing to talk about. Do you know what? It's one of my favorite things to talk about as well. And I love, just like you do, I love matching people with books. Like I'll read something. And also I I do this with podcasts too. Like I'll read something or I'll hear something and I instantly think of somebody and I want to match make them, you know, like you have to read this. And when they actually do follow through and if they read it and they really like it, it's such a satisfying feeling. It's so satisfying. It is. It's like, oh, I've done something right today. Yes. Um, and it's yes. And you just, you know, you got to gotta go with that because it feels yeah. so good. No doubt. Okay. So I know you have very professionally pulled together some really great picks. I have not so professionally gone over to my bedside table and taken the stack. So hold on one second. I'm just going to walk two feet to grab my stack. All right. Can't wait. This is, and for those of you who are listening, I'll post a picture. 
I love this is it. What was next? Yeah, I brought to... my stack of, from the store, but I didn't show you my nightstand. So oh, I can only go. imagine. This is like, yeah, it's it's a lot of books. <laughs> it's a lot of books. I can't wait to hear. Anyway, so I have some. You've got a bunch. Um, so where do you want to start? I mean, I feel like maybe for me, I'd like to start with just the fact that I'm seeing some trends. I feel like I'm starting to see what a lot of authors did during the pandemic ending up on shelves. And I'm actually starting to see, I feel like people writing the pandemic into some of yes, these books. Is absolutely. that something, is that something that happened in kind of the publishing industry where you had to discuss like for people who are setting books in, you know, 2020, 2021, do you ignore it? Pretend like it didn't happen. Do you just pick a different time? Um, what has what has been like the fallout of that? Um, a little bit of both. Um, one of the books that I will talk about later um, actually does have a pandemic in it, and this book and this was written before pandemic actually hit. So it's kind of eerie that she forecast this in the 25th century um, as something that's real and something that really affected people. Um, hmm. And then you've got other people that are writing about the pandemic um, for adults and children alike. So um, the popular you know, who was um, series, what was series, um, there's actually a what is COVID-19. Um, book that came out. So there's a lot of education out there about it for um, children and adults, which I think is really good because the more knowledge and the more information you have, the less scary things can be. Uh, so I think that that's been a really good trend as well. And, you know, bits and pieces here in literature also. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's also been interesting to see what people, in hearing a lot of author interviews, um, to find out how people who are writers navigated the pandemic. For some of them, it was a time of great creativity because they had didn't have a lot of other distractions. And for others, it seemed to have killed their creativity. Yes, right. I think it all depends on maybe like where they're at, who they're surrounding themselves with, you know, what, what, how they process and how they write. Um, you know, I, I feel like pandemic was actually a, a good thing for me in terms of it kind of helped me connect to myself and it gave me rest um, in a forced rest in some ways and you know gave me more connection with people that I had lost touch with so I think it all depends on you know the, the time the place the people you know your personality mm -hmm. um, it's it's been interesting um, you know as book as booksellers have started to gather together once again since pandemic it's just been really interesting we had a conference a couple of weeks ago in Phoenix and just you know kind of coming back together and like it was, it was all this energy around books and around seeing each other and around sharing ideas of this is how we pivoted, this is what we did, and we're keeping this and we're losing that. Um, it was just a great exchange of ideas of how we managed and how we walked through this pandemic as booksellers. It was fascinating. Are there some trends that you're seeing in just the publishing industry that maybe that you know the why behind that we're seeing in stores like I feel like I see a lot of covers that look very similar these days yes, it's very is that just me or is it no there's a lot of covers that look very similar um and I would say the biggest the biggest thing that we've seen is the rise of the rom-com so you know rom-com uh novels are just they're everywhere. Um, you know, when I'm looking at what's coming out in the next six to nine months in the book world, so many of them are these romantic comedies. And, 
you know, some of them are really clever and fun. A lot of them are takeoffs from Pride and Prejudice and other, you know, uh, classic works of romance. But uh, that for sure has been a big uptake. Um, people, women are looking to escape the the news escape, you know, having to navigate, are my kids staying home now? Are they wearing masks? Are they going to school? What are they doing? I don't know. Uh, so that's that's definitely been a trend that I see yeah. um, growing and growing even more in the next few year, next few months. I'm a woman who does the news and I want the escape too. <laughs> <laughs> no, no no, so doubt. I'm like, I'm ticking all those boxes. Yes, um, yes. One thing I've noticed a lot in, we've talked a lot over the years about just the, the amount of um, marketing authors are expected to do to make their books successful. And one thing I've really learned a lot about, it seems like lately, is the, the power of the pre-order and that how that gets people onto bestseller lists. Can you explain that to people, to so, people so that we understand why you see authors pushing things so heavily? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, the New York Times is, you know, the, the, the place where you want to see your book. You want to see your book on the New York Times bestselling list. And so we are a New York Times uh, reporting store. So we report once a week to the New York Times about our sales, um, about, you know, what we're selling to our people. And uh, pre-order campaigns have become much bigger in the last year to two years, um, trying to get that hype, trying to get that excitement for people. Another thing that's really drawing people to purchase that book right out the gates is an author signed copy, which is something that a lot of the publishers will offer to independent bookstores, but not to big box bookstores. So that's a real perk for us. And so we like to make sure that people know about our pre-orders and people know about our signed copies so they can get those books on that release date. Um, with the, you know, with the internet, um, um, especially for kids, you know, these kids are coming into the store knowing about these books that are coming out that I haven't even heard of because they're following their authors and they're following, you know, that series that they're so excited about. So more and more people are aware of when books are coming out more than they ever were before. And That's so it's caused, yeah, it's caused us booksellers to have to be a lot more on top of things and a lot more ready. Is that why you see so many bigger or wanting to be bigger name authors doing TikTok? Yes. Um, okay. Talk to me about authors and TikTok. Well, you know, I, I'm one of those that I sporadically go on TikTok because I have, okay, true, true confessions. I have no self-control when it comes to TikTok. So if I get on it, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been five hours. What am I That's, doing? That just means you meet the requirements and <laughs> what's been set up. With, I mean, that's just TikTok. Know, it's definition of somebody on TikTok. But, you know, I haven't necessarily followed authors on TikTok. I follow booksellers on TikTok um, because I want to know what other independent booksellers across the nation are, are talking about and thinking about and excited about. So that's where I spend most of my time following. But I know that like for you and other people, you know, authors are the people that they follow. So, you know, both will give you great ideas. And, and TikTok is like the place to get noticed. You know, when TikTok goes viral, everyone stands to attention and wants to know more about you. So it's so interesting. Ending. Do you know what I think is so, um, kind? I mean, it's cool on one, one hand because you get to know the author, which is kind of fun. It's fun to know the people who create something that you like. But on the other hand, it also means that like the author has to be a performer. 
Yeah. And it's very true in my business as well. You know, people who are really natural or good on social media and some people are not, even if they're good on television doing my job, it's just, it, yes. it's, the skill isn't exactly the same. It seems like it would be a lot of pressure also for an author who just, you know, wants to create and write, but right. you also have to now, in addition to market and be out there, you got to perform in some way. Yes. And I think that, you know, I don't, I don't think that publishers are making them or asking them to do that. I think that it's maybe something that they feel like they need to do. You know, it's been interesting as we've had author events through the years at the store, it has been so surprising, the number of authors that are so introverted and so quiet that, you know, you can hardly drag anything out of them when, you know, their writing on the page just is, you know, out of this world. It's, it's such a, like a dichotomy of people. And so, you know, I would hope that the marketing that the publishers want them to do is in line with, with who they are. Um, you know, I, I know that a lot of authors have blogs and websites and things that they're creating on and, and hopefully, you know, the, the, the way that they're presenting themselves on TikTok is true to who they are. Yeah, and they, exactly. They don't have to pretend. So sidebar, years ago, probably, I don't know, maybe six, six, seven years ago, you and I did a Facebook live when Facebook live was still relatively yes. new. Do you remember this? We I did do. a live, we did a live book club that with, so um, remind me her name, Samira. Sa oh, no, no. Uh, Saba Tahir. Saba Tahir. Yes. It was her first book and she was being buzzed about. And of course she went on to be massive and huge yes. you know, because you know how to pick them. But yes. I remember we had this idea and I had to talk the people at the TV station into doing it. They were like, you want to do what? I said, no, I think this could be really good. And then we had to talk the publisher into doing it. And I can't remember if it was Random House or- It was, they went Random it was House. Random House. And they were, they were good. They were like, okay. And she yes. drove in and we did it. And people were like, I didn't know that that would work. Yes. And now, isn't it funny how everybody does it? I wish you and I had figured out a way to trademark that. <laughs> we are geniuses and, and you didn't we, even know it are geniuses. And I, I said that day, I'm like, I think books on TV could be super interesting Absolutely. and people didn't really get it. But now it's so funny to me and I'm not really taking credit for like people figuring out how to put like books on social media. Not that much anyway, but, but I think it's funny that like we did that and now like here, here it's like the norm to do something it is, like that. It is the norm, but I, 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 I would like to see more book clubs like what we did, you know, cause it's very inclusive of everyone, no matter yep. where they are. Um, you know, they can get the book from the library, they can read it on their Kindle, they can borrow it from a friend, buy it, and they can still join in the discussion. And it's not a commitment that they have to open up their house and buy wine and food and all that kind of stuff. And so I'd, I'd love to find a way to actually make that happen virtually. Okay. We, we can make this happen. We can. Let's talk I, later. I, I have, I have an idea. I have okay. an idea, but yeah, we can make this happen. And I agree because I think for a lot of people, they don't necessarily have that group of women, or maybe they don't like the group or it's not a good fit, but if it's just generally a discussion, just about a book yes. with yes. an author, I think it's super cool. Okay. We're going to do this as well. Adding that to our very long list of things we got to do. Okay. All right. <laughs> this will be a fun one. Yeah. Um, at the top of the fun list. This is the top of the fun list. Okay, well, I feel like I've gotten all my, like next time I talk to Tina, I've got these questions about the book industry <laughs> out of the way, which I actually do keep in my phone because I'm a nerd, but I want to talk to you about some of these books. Let's, let's do, um, let's talk about books for, for grownups right now. And okay. there are some really good ones um, that are out this summer. One of them that I feel like I'm seeing in a lot of places is called Sea of Tranquility. And yes. it has, I think the most beautiful cover. You know, and what, I know, yeah. I know you shouldn't pick a book by its cover, I know. but I do. 
But like, look at this. It's like, do you not want to go here and just lay down in the moonlight where it's quiet and just enjoy that? That's where people want to go right now. But this book, um, you know, it's Sea of Tranquility, which is, you know, obviously a place on the moon. But um, this book is very much a futuristic tale, um, a book that I would not have normally picked out for myself. My older daughter said, you know, I love this author, mommy should check it out. So, you know, from the mouth of babes, I read it and I was so thankful I did. It takes place, you know, from the early, um, like from 1812 all the way to the 25th century, um, talks about, um, pandemic, talks about uh, anomalies in the space-time continuum. I know it sounds like I'm such a geek, um, but you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's ultimately about relationships. It's ultimately about discovering more about yourself and the place that you currently live. And um, it asks big questions about life. And one of the questions it asks, which I never thought about before and which I can't think about because it really boggles my brain is could we all be living in a simulation? I have thought that over the last few years. And don't you wish it was a simulation and we would wake up or come out of the game and it would be something wonderful out there? Only, only every morning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Emily St. John Mandel, did she write, was it Station 11? She wrote was Station that her other 11. Book? She also wrote The Glass Hotel. Um, and I did not read one yeah. of those. Um, and I don't know why, just because probably I like, I really avoid like future tales and time travel because it's very confusing to my little brain. Uh, but pick this one up and pretty much read it all the way through very quickly. Yeah. It was so good. I, I adore like a real beach read in the summer. I love checking my brain off and I feel like, like I want something light. I want like almost like cotton candy, but with a little bit oh, more yes. substance. And book lovers to me sounds yeah. like that kind of a book. There's a that lot of kind of easy breezy fun. Absolutely, it's, it's that rom com genre that we were talking about before. But this one is just really it has really been super popular for the last month or so. We personally can't keep it on the shelf. Um, and it's about this literary agent, you know, in New York City. She goes on a sister trip to this really cute little like hallmark movie type town called sunshine falls her sister wants her to find true love you know could it be with the country veterinarian could it be with the burly bartender at the local pub but no she, what about the innkeeper there's always the an innkeeper, innkeeper. <laughs> right, no, right. yes but it's none of those people she can, and he's running he's running the inn for his parents who've um, had health issues and he's come back to save the family business even though he has a phd right and he's also like taken in you know um disabled animals i know right yeah all, all those things and, and she's a and she's a single mom and he thought he didn't want children and yet he falls himself <laughs> finds himself falling in love with that little girl but no that is not how this ends um, oh okay sorry he actually keeps running into this really just a Serbic guy named Charlie, who's this editor that she knew from the city. And somehow, I don't know why he's in Sunshine Falls, but she keeps running into him. And it's one of those things where it's like, they have nothing in common. They can't even stand each other. But yet fate continues to have them bump into each other. And it's a very fun, it's sassy, it's funny, it's very twisty in its plot. You think it's going to go one way and it doesn't. It's definitely something that you want to um, have at the beach. Um, or by the pool with a nice little drink in your hand. Love that. You know where I think it's going to go? Where's that? Net 
Netflix because oh, Netflix, please, no. no, no, it's going to, you watch this. We can put a bet on this. Netflix is doing like all these, like used to be Hallmark type movies, but they have a little bit of edge in them and usually partial nudity. <laughs> <You know>, like, <laughs> they've sassed them up a little Easy. bit yes. and they have, and they have a budget, but I've noticed that like Netflix has a whole category of films like that. And like, Thank basically you. you just described it. I know. And, and again, because people are looking for that feel good thing at the end of the day, whether it's a movie or a book or even, you know, a podcast like yours, they're looking for something <laughs> that um, fills them with joy and yes. uh, makes them smile and makes them, huh, you know, decompress from just the world as it is right now. So I'll tell you, I'll throw in a pick that I have. I just was given this book to borrow from um, my colleague, Melanie Hunter, and it's The Seven Husbands of Evelyn, Evelyn Hugo. Evelyn Hugo, yes. And I picked this book up and it also has like a great cover to it and it's paperback and it's a delightful read. I got sucked in. I was cursing Melanie every morning. I'm like, oh my gosh, I stayed up so late last night because I had to get through another husband. And each chapter is kind of detailing these seven husbands that this, um, you know, former Hollywood starlet had over a very kind of scandalous career. And you think, you know, where you're going with this. And then they hit you with something you never see coming. And it's so topical and so unexpected and so well-written. I just loved it. Yes. That is another book that we cannot keep on the shelf. I am we not surprised. Yes. Yeah. Very and that good. one would be a great movie as well. But how do we get people to read the book before they go to the movie so that they actually have what the author intended for them to know and to experience? That's the key. TikTok? <laughs> I don't know. I know. And we have like these buttons at the store that we've had, you know, throughout the years, like, you know, um, the, the book was better or, you know, read the book first kind of thing. Just trying to encourage people that, you know, there's yeah. more to, to life than what's on the screen. You know, that it's a rule. I've mentioned this before. It's a rule we actually have in my house with my kids yes. is, you know, you got to read the book before we go to like the big movie. Yes. And that Absolutely. has actually worked out pretty well. And it is kind of fun, especially with my second child, who is my more reluctant reader to hear him say what they missed. And that's oh, kind of become right. their thing. You know, like I always like to say, well, they missed this or they didn't do as good a job in this. And, um, and the, it's funny, the one book that he has read, and I totally agree with him on this, that he thought the books were better was The Hunger Games. Ah, yes, I have heard that as well. Yeah, I, and I think that as well. I, I feel, I mean, the movie is obviously spectacular and big yes. and incredible special effects and great acting and all the rest of the costumes, but the books are so good, especially to get kids yes. that age, you know, reading again. And I think also like, you know, so much of, of what's in a book is the character's thoughts and, you know, that sense of, of what's going on internally that you can never capture, you know, on a screen. And so those are the, those are the parts that make that book so much richer um, and so much um, more enjoyable, I think, is that yes. development. Yep. The theater, the theater of the mind, as they say. Um, one Italian summer would oh. entertain my mind for a while. That's a, this one looks lovely. It is lovely. Um, it's a, it's a mom and daughter story, which I love. Um, it's not your typical, you know, like romance um, of the summer. It's it's something different. Um, this woman is mourning the loss of her mom. Um, her mom was also her best friend, and she's just devastated. And they had planned this once in a lifetime trip to the Amalfi Coast. So she's off to the Amalfi Coast without her mom. She's very sad. But as she's there, soaks up the sun and the smells and the 
the people of, of the Amalfi Coast, she starts to feel better. And then one day as she's walking around, she runs into this woman who is her mother. And, and her mother is 30. Dun, so, dun, dun. so she meets her mother before her mother ever had her. And so it's this really cool tale of how she gets to know this person who's her mother in a whole new way and gets and gets this this kind of like second relationship with her mom that she never had and so it's just a really touching lovely story and um i just think that's a really lovely thing for and you and for all moms and daughters to to connect in a way that they haven't before that sounds wonderful and you have two daughters so you can definitely i relate. do i do and yeah, I would take them to the Amalfi Coast. <laughs> Let's I'm go. Sure, I'm, I'm sure they'd let you take them I know, to the exactly, Amalfi Coast. Exactly. You could take me to the Amalfi Coast. Oh, I would indeed. But I would we, go in a heartbeat. I know, right? It sounds really and Just nice. think of all the books we could read on the plane, on the way, and back. I yeah. know. I'd be like, you, you won't believe what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. Tina, just, wake up. Wake we up. just might stay on the plane. Tina, look at this. I know. We should probably just stay here. We'd save a lot of money. Um, do you follow uh, Zibby Owens? No, I do not. Who is oh, that? you need to. So Zibby okay. Owens is, um, I'll send you some links. Zibby Owens has been on this show before. Zibby Owens is probably the most, um, well, no, she is probably the most prolific uh, book influencer on social media right oh, now. Okay. She has a, da a daily podcast more than 900 episodes she has Good done. Grief. She started, she started achiever. I know. And the name of her podcast and really her kind of media empire at this point is called uh, Moms Don't Have Time To. So it's Moms <laughs> Don't Have Time to Read Books, Moms Don't Have Time to Fill in the Blank. And it was, you know, obviously a kind of a play on words that, you know, moms don't have time to do right anything at all. Anyway, she has authors on all the time. And I have not read this book, although I did make sure I got a copy of it. Have you heard of this one, Nora Goes Off Script by Annabelle Monahan? Yes, I have heard of it. I, I haven't had a chance to open it or to really check it out. So I listened to a really delightful interview with her and she was just absolutely charming. But this plays off of everything you were just talking about, about kind of the rom-com thing. In fact, the main character is Nora and she is a romance channel screenwriter. So she basically oh. writes, she writes the story about the innkeeper who meets oh, the single mom, you know, that kind of thing. And she goes, she's going through a divorce and she is on the set of her latest show. And basically she falls in love with the lead because she created this guy basically. Oh so gosh, it's about what kind of happens next. But I have heard that this is just probably, you know, along the lines of some of the other beach reads you've been talking about, probably the perfect one to yes. bring with you and give a try, but it's called Nora Goes Off Script and it's by Annabelle Monaghan. I love that. Just an idea. Yes, always love ideas. Great. Now my staff's going to get an even bigger thanks to you. <laughs> okay. I'll throw out one more. Okay, good. Um, Sally Hepworth, is she on your radar? You following no. her? She's another one that I heard on Zibby's podcast, and she just came and did her U.S. tour for her latest book. It's called The Younger Wife, and her previous books were called um, The Secrets of Midwives, The Things We Keep, The Mother's Promise, The Family Next Door, Mother-in-Law. There's a theme here, and Good Sister. Uh, okay, she's Australian. She's Australian, and okay. she is a hoot to follow on Instagram. Really, really funny. I would say the person I probably, in terms of um, reach and personality compared to the most in terms of like a social media outreach is probably Emily Giffen, who's okay, had yes. great success in places yes. like Instagram. But Sally Hepworth's book is called The Younger Wife. And the, the theme of the book is heart surgeon at the top of his field. He's in his sixties, two daughters who are in their mid to late thirties, 
questionable things going on in their personal lives. The wife, former wife, has Alzheimer's and is in a facility. And his 34-year-old second wife enters the picture and everybody's got secrets. It's great. It's comedy. It's a thriller. It's super fun. And it's really well-written because I think like with a lot of these rom-coms, Tina, you get these, this idea that they're light, that the the verb, the verbiage is light, but it doesn't have to be, it can be clever. No, it can be clever. It can still be really good writing without being silly. Absolutely. And, and I think that that's, that's what makes a really great book is when you can have humor um, in a way that helps you see, you know, the, even through the darker, the darker stuff and the heavy stuff, because that's, that is how we get through life is, is when things are heavy, we have to get through it with a little bit of humor, with a little bit of education, with a little bit of, you know, grit, all of that. And when a book has all of that, it really works well. Yeah. Leanne Moriarty is a good example of that, I think, you know, and she was the author of Big Little Lies, which became very popular in the last couple of years being an HBO series. But I think that she's kind of like really shown that you can be a sharp as a tech writer, still be really funny, but also like hit you over the head with something big (laughs) and a lot of entertain and entertain you. Yes. And my youngest daughter and a lot of other people are really into Colleen Hoover right now. Mm. Wrote um, Verity and some other, you know, really great books. And, and that's another one can't keep it on the shelf. People are just so fascinated by her. So it goes in waves. Okay. Let's go to memoir because it's always nice to escape into someone's life. Or is it? Because your pick, I think, would be a nightmare for most people. But you know, this actually it, happened. It, it actually happened. This is called, this is a pity, this is not a pity memoir by Abby Morgan. Um, I picked it up just because I was looking for a new memoir and and I didn't know anything about this woman. And so I'm like, well, let's just kick, oh, let's pick it up. The, the title's really interesting. And Abby Morgan is an Emmy Award winning screenwriter in the UK. And the book starts off with her um getting to the the pharmacy to pick up her husband's medication. He has a really severe MS. And so she comes home to give him his medicine and she finds him on the floor unconscious. She can't wake him, can't can't get him to to respond in any way. So she gets the ambulance, they get him to the hospital and they cannot figure out what's wrong with this man. Um, His brain continues to swell. He continues to have fevers, muscle issues, and they don't know what to do. So they ultimately put him in a induced coma. He's in a coma for over six months. And um, when he wakes up, which they finally bring him out of the coma because his EEGs are looking good and everything, he recognizes his children, his parents, everyone except for his wife. He does not know who she is. To him, she is a total stranger. And she cannot fathom it. And so she brings a picture of their family and she holds the picture in her hand and says, who are these people? Oh, that's my son, that's my daughter, da, da, da. She says, who's this? He says, that's my wife, Abby. And then she says, well, who am I? As she's holding the picture, he's like, I don't know, but you're not Abby, right? It's just like mind blowing. Like, how does this happen? First of all, the brain is in and of itself the most fascinating thing in the world. And the rest of the book is about how she takes him home to recuperate or rehabilitate and how he has to get to know her all over again. And what happens to their relationship? Got to read it to find out. Wow. This one that this one has hints of like Nicholas Sparks, doesn't it? A little, a little bit. A little bit. But, but, but I love her writing because it's very real. It's very honest. 
Um, she doesn't hold back any punches of how she's feeling or what she's experiencing. And I appreciated that because it doesn't make it sound like she's like this perfect person that just did all the right things to, to you know, help her husband. She like made mistakes and she, you know, um, did some things that were not so great and still, you know, managed to get through it. And so wow. I, I that like sounds that really good. It sounds so really good. good. All right. I'm turning to look at my stack to see, do I have any, I don't have any memoir. You have nonfiction, I'm sure. I do. Oh, I do. Of course. Here's one. This was, um, a friend of mine just gave me this. Um, this is a really good book called Stolen Focus. Why you can't pay attention and how to think deeply again. Oh, and I thought it was just adult onset ADD for me. Something else. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I do uh, a no. lot of medical stories. I could probably diagnose you, but I probably should. Um, Johan Hari, it, this is absolutely fascinating. And so this book is basically about the fact that our ability to pay attention has completely collapsed. Oh, and so I'll, just, I'll just read you a little bit from the inside. In the US, teenagers can focus on one task for only 65 seconds at a time. Oh I think that's God. generous. Office workers, three minutes. Like so many of us, New York Times bestselling author, Johan Hari was finding that constantly switching from device to device and tab to tab was a diminishing and depressing way to live. So he tried all sorts of self-help solutions, even abandoned his phone for three months. Nothing seems to work. So he goes on this, what he describes as an epic journey to find out how to get your attention back. Wow. And I have always assumed that if I got rid of the phone and social media and all that stuff, mm -hmm. that everything would come right back. And he actually does this for three months and it didn't. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to find out about like, you know, how the things around us and the way we're living are significantly changing our ability to process information, communicate information and do something with information. Um, I absolutely love it. And this book, what's really great about this book, I think, is that it's very conversational. He is brilliant. He's not a scientist, he's a journalist. Okay. But he has that unique ability to really explain difficult concepts in very easy and humorous at times ways. Right. I enjoyed his like ability to like take this journey to try to find out how to think again. <laughs> no kidding. And I somebody who significantly yeah. feels like my ability to think has been impacted. I would assume that it probably requires a lot of intentionality, um, you know. And yes. That, yeah. And really setting yourself up to be successful in that. And I and, think and so. really moving towards it instead of just trying to eliminate the extraneous, right? Yes. And it's also to like figure out, like to, to be, to really self-actualize and realize what are you doing that maybe you could tweak a little bit, right? Because you can't really escape this world no matter where you go. You really can't. So I would say, I, I love this book. I think it would also be an excellent audiobook to listen to because Ooh, you can yes. listen to it a little bit at a time, be great on a road trip. But uh, Stolen Focus, Why You Can't Think and Pay Attention by Johan Hari is one of the ones I'm really loving this. I love that. Good one. Um, let me see if I have anything else. This was a pick from my colleague, Eileen Javora, who has become educated and obsessed with all things nutrition over the last couple of years. Oh, okay. And this is a book that she has recommended by Uma Naidu, Dr. Uma Naidu, a nutritional psychiatrist at Harvard Medical School. And it's called, This Is Your Brain on Food. A nutritional and psychiatrist. Nutritional psychiatrist. Wow. This Is Your Brain on Food, an indispensable guide to the surprising foods that fight things like depression, PTSD, ADHD, anxiety, OCD, and more. So it's kind of building on the last book. Huh. I like I'm it. on a, I'm on a deep dive. If you can't tell. 
<laughs> I'm working on some personal growth this summer, <laughs> Tina. As we uh, all should. <laughs> but it's that concept of, you know, you are what you eat, taken yeah. up a level. Um, this is really quite good as well. So a little bit more academic, um, a lot of the research, but also if these are, if any of those things that I just described right. um, are things that you've thought about or felt over the last couple of years, uh, number one, you're human, because I think everybody has. But number two, it, there are some basic things in terms of how you eat, when you eat. Interesting. What so you it's choose not just about what, it's about how and when. It's about how and when, it's about the why, it's about oh, your own okay. individual um, body type and makeup. It's fascinating. It's Ooh. really interesting. I have never heard of that. That is very interesting. You find I think you might find cool it fascinating. Books. You really do. Well, I have cool friends because these are all coming from recommendations from people. So that's, again, one of those beautiful things. Like you read a book, you think, oh, I know somebody who would yeah. enjoy this. And then you pass it along as a recommendation. Awesome. Okay, that. I'm done. As I continue okay. auditioning for a job working in your bookstore, um, <laughs> let's move it's on. Yours. To, it is yours. <laughs> let's move on to your your last pick, and okay. this this kind of blew me away. This your last pick is called the Divorce Colony. Yes. And this is this is um, a true story or true-ish story about something it, that it, actually happened. So. Um, I, when I saw this book, I was like, what in the world? So it's called The Divorce Colony, How Women Revolutionized Marriage and Found Freedom on the American Frontier. So in the late 1800s, early 1900s, it was very difficult for a woman to secure a divorce. Um, men could divorce for all kinds of reasons, but women's rights were, as they are, archaic at that time. So many women got on a train and went to Sioux Falls, um, to the American, the new- American Iowa. No, Sioux, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Falls, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Dakota. Yeah, I didn't know that there were two. Why Why do people have to copy city names? I don't understand. I don't know. Okay, anyway. I don't know. It's Sioux Falls, South Dakota. They get on a train, they get there, and it's very, very easy to get a divorce. Um, so they get their divorces and they end up staying and living there because they don't want to go back to where they came from and live under... Um, you know, the cloud of divorce or scandal or whatever. And it's just fascinating. It follows four different women throughout their stay and th their building of their lives at this colony. And um, one is a very wealthy heiress and how she discovers herself. And I just think it's about women and their empowerment of themselves, you know, apart from having to need, quote unquote, a man or having to be a certain way for their husband. They are finally able to be exactly who they are, exactly who they wanna be. Um, and so for those that are really, you know, looking at the, the present um, culture around women and around their rights, I mean, this is where some of it all started was giving them the right to divorce um, in a little place on the frontier, who wow. knew? Sioux City, Iowa. That's what we were it's, thinking. Oh, Sioux sorry. City, yes, sorry. It's Sioux okay. Falls, we'll South get there. Dakota, Sioux City, Iowa. We are not going to win. We're not going to win pub trivia because we didn't know that. Just no, saying. no. Just saying. It's not going to happen. But if but if literature comes up, we'll be good. Oh, we are slaying that category for sure. <laughs> yeah, that in that in like eighties hair bands, I got you covered. We'll be Definitely. fine. But this is a, a a part of our history I knew absolutely nothing about. Didn't even know it existed. So. Uh, sorry, is it yes. fiction or is it real? It's, a, it's real. It's a historic, it's, it's a history book about this place and about these women. It's a real. So these are real individuals. Real individual women that got divorces because they couldn't where they were living in the country at that time. I Isn't don't know why. Wild that they yeah, had I, to leave like 
metropolitan places yeah. and go to South Dakota, South Dakota to be able to rebuild a life. That's wild. I know. I, I'm not sure I would go there. I've well, never it been there. tells you how bad it must have been that they needed yes, that divorce. Exactly. You know? Um, so yes, very, really fascinating. I mean, I, I'm listening to it on audio right now. Um, and so far I, I'm, I'm loving what I'm hearing. Do you listen to a lot of audiobooks? I do. I listen to nonfiction on Me audio. Too. Um, because when I'm reading fiction, I like to figure out for myself what their voices sound like in my head, you know, those kinds of things. So I don't like an author, or, I mean, a reader to mimic those voices for me. Uh, so I really love listening to nonfiction, especially if that book is narrated by the author. I really love that. Agreed. So that's what I listen to. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, a, it's also a great way to, um, pass time in the car and you can oh, do it a yeah. chapter at a time, you know, or, or like exercising. I think it's a great yes. way, a nice long walk. It's wonderful to listen to audio books. One of my favorite though, to listen to on audio are humor, humorous books. So like David Sedaris on audio. Oh my gosh. So great. You know, he's funny, he's witty and his stories are really relatively short. And so you can listen to two or three on your drive and just puts a smile on your face and just makes you laugh at the world. It's great. My favorite that I've done on audio was Shonda Rhimes. Okay. The, uh -huh. um, the book she wrote, The Year of Yes, or yes. Just Say Yes, or something. Yes. Um, you know, and, and she tells, it, it's done in a memoir kind of a format where she also is talking about her career and, and the fact that she was such an introvert. And, and she had she had a lot of interesting things going on while she was so brilliant and created these incredible shows. Right. But I spent a good two weeks with Shonda Rhimes in my head. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. She just wouldn't, I mean, there were things that can happen, but yeah, I loved it. That was a <laughs> fabulous fabulous one on audio. Yes. Well, these are some really, really great picks um, that could take us very easily into the fall. I know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, now my list is twice as big, thanks to you. And I, and I appreciate that. I do. I am thrilled to anytime be able to suggest something to you that you haven't heard of before. It's fabulous. All right. <laughs> so those are all the picks for the adult books. We're going to put your picks for YA and kids into a separate episode to kind of okay. break this up a little bit. But before we do that, we should probably pa pass along that, you know, just because it's YA doesn't mean it's not for adults. So oh, no, absolutely. Oh, I don't have kids. I don't need kid books. Listen at least to the first part of the next episode because I think you might find some books that you'll still enjoy. Oh, most definitely. Did we meet all your hopes and dreams, expectations? Always, always. Okay. Oh my gosh, you make it so easy. Like every, you know, my friends will say to me like, oh my gosh, you were so great. Like, how do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. Deirdre just makes it easy to oh, talk. Well, that's, that's the nicest compliment. That said, I did forget, I forgot to ask you one question there at the end oh. of the episode. What are good ways for people to keep up with you and all your book knowledge? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you sound like I have some. Um, yeah. Just, you know, stay, just come to, you know, look at us on Facebook. So on our Facebook, we do a weekly Tuesday teasers. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but where we talk about new release, you know, books in the world. And that's always fun. Um, they can also, you know, sign up for our newsletter where we talk about our events and other things that are going on. And, and what do we look for you on, on Facebook? How do we find you? Um, Is it face in a book? Easy to find. All right. And then if you would like to email me or reach out to me, you can always find me on Instagram. You'll find me at run, read, sip. Thank you, Tina. Yeah. Thank you.